Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rose. Welcome to Tech Radio for 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and, of course, around the world as well. All brought to you by the PRTG Network Monitor from Paisler.com, which monitors your IT infrastructure 24-7 and alerts you to problems before your users even notice. And, of course, you look like a hero. Check out their system at www.paisler.com and help find out how you can work smarter, faster and better. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via our website or wherever you get your podcast from, uh, we keep you up to date with all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters. You can grab them for free at our website, techcentral.ie. Joining me, as always, is Niall Kitson. Niall, can you believe that it's August already and there's so much going on? Yeah, I thought we'd be into, well, not quite silly season stories, but, you know, uh, scrambling around the internet looking for something world, uh, worthwhile to talk about. Uh, not so. We've got we've got a packed show today. We're going to row over so much. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, listen, let's start with the national broadband plan, which was a great idea. Uh, they're trying to put a, a plan together and it's not really working, which means that plan is probably not going to see reality. Am I right? That was a great idea in 2015 uh, when this was first mooted, I think. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago going out to Cavan to meet with uh, uh, what became Syro. They didn't have a name at the time or they weren't publicising a name at the time. And they were going, look, this is this is the middle of, you know, it's not an urban area. Uh, we can deliver gigabit broadband over the electricity infrastructure this is a great idea. Why don't we do more of it? But we want to see which way the National Broadband Plan uh, pans out for when we put in our bid um, for the national tender. I mean, it's good stuff. Like the government putting in $275 million for a 25-year contract to run this network that will go out to rural areas, connecting everybody with a minimum of about 30 megabits per second, uh, all by 2020. Ha <laughs> ha! So, uh, yeah. Well, I think the, the the sad thing, as you said, it was a good idea and a lot of uh, big names went into it. And one of the first people to pull out of the National Broadband Plan to saying that, no, we're actually not going to tender for this because uh, we just don't think it's possible, was our friends at Syro, uh, which was the ESB and Vodafone and uh, delivering uh, uh, internet. Uh, no, I got to correct you. Oh, correct no. me, please. Correct me, please. Um, there were there were three bidders, right? There actually, maybe you're right. But anyway, <laughs> it was interesting to see. <laughs> it was interesting to see who didn't show up, right? Because uh, the previous national broadband plan uh, relied on mobile networks and it was basically a three dongle that was vaguely subsidized uh, and didn't work terribly well. Um, the eventual contenders were Air Syro and SSE Airtricity. Um, Air and Syro basically pulled out for the same reasons that uh, it wasn't commercially viable to run broadband up to certain remote properties, which is the whole point of, of the plan. Um, Air gave a fairly, fairly detailed statement, but bear in mind, Air also switched hands in the interim between the plan being announced, their bid going in and um, uh, and their announcement that they that they were leaving. So 
Uh, it's now owned by a French telecoms magnate, if, if memory serves. Um, and and hopefully uh, all things will go well there. But mm. uh, between um, Air putting in their plan and the lack of announcement on a, uh, a, a successful bidder, they went in and they had a look at, you know, which which properties could we conceivably connect now while we're waiting for all this stuff, other stuff to happen. Um, and they went ahead and they they connected an additional 300,000 properties around the country. So, you know, the catchment area that the National Broadband Plan was going to look after shrank to the extent that there was no more low-hanging fruit on it. There were no more quick wins. So it was only the difficult places that were 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 left mm. basically mm. so it became it, you know if you go into a supermarket there are some things that are overpriced and some things that are at cost and some things that are you know priced below cost and it's sort of the balance between the three is what creates you know a profitable entity that you know you're going to take a hit on some things and each of the bidders would have gone in and going okay look this farm out here in the middle of nowhere we're not going to make any money off it but it's part of a package that gives us this village where we definitely will make a lot of money then you had a case where Air was going to go in and go, well, you know, that that village, maybe that's worth having a look at after all, sucking up that business and making sure that all that's left are the the unprofitable um the unprofitable options mm. and it's it wasn't you know if you're a business and you look at that and you go no that's completely ridiculous so Cyro can look at it and go we're a commercial entity well yes we, we have you know the ESB and, and Vodafone so there's a semi-state sort of uh, influence there but there's no profit to be made there well, why would we bother with this Air um, of course going well what are we going to do in the meantime I mean we've got a, a network to roll out we've got a very good network that we're very proud of uh, and if we can do it in a cost efficient manner we're going to do it uh, and then our uh, uh, last person standing was SSE Airtricity. Uh, and earlier this week, SSE said, um, uh, sorry, SSE Enet, right? SSE Airtricity. It's the, it's the one thing now. Um, SSE Enet uh, were the, the last person standing. And SSE went, you know what? This is taking far too long. And yeah, by, by the time something is announced, it probably won't be profitable to be part of this. Um, so we're backing out, leaving Enet the uh, the last person standing and not even the last bid standing I, it's not even a full consortium it's it's literally just enet mm. now enet is a good company i mean they they manage the uh, metropolitan area networks uh which which um uh you don't you don't see in dublin but you know galway cork wexford kilkenny these are the places that that really benefit from this sort of um approach uh and they would be left and for me if you look at the kind of expertise um, going around and you would say, OK, regional broadband. Yep. Why? Why not? I think Enet would be a, a fine choice on principle, if not in, in execution. I haven't seen the fine details of their, their bid, so I can't say it. Notable by their absence, though, uh, throughout this process has been Virgin Media, uh, who own, you know, the country's most profitable, I guess, most popular fiber powered so they call well that's because Virgin Media go for all the nice areas they they do the large yeah. cities and they do them incredibly well and they pay a good fee for it and it all works out I don't think they want to be servicing somebody living on the top of a mountain in Donegal yeah yeah and, and you know that's their argument and, and fair enough C- continue on as you were also absent from the from the process was Sky which is to say Sky actually uses BT's network in Ireland a combination of BT's network and Aircom or sorry BT and Air mm. uh, and 
you know they they were never players in this to begin with also n- nothing from um three this time around uh which i think reflects maybe a, a lack of competition and in, in wireless but anywho well listen do you, i think one of the solutions where we could rescue the national broadband plan is uh, probably to, to rip out the core of the plan which is to try and service uh, that last 20 percent of people who are who are difficult to get hold of and I'm kind of basing this on experience where I would have been involved with the uh, Serview before it was being rolled out during the trial phase of that and also with uh, digital audio broadcasting and very much the uh, way of looking at those kind of national broadcasting projects is, right, well, how quickly can we get to 80% of the population and then how are we going to look after the other 20%? Okay, so you figure out what's what's easy Calculate the demand. The first 80% is, the, is the easy part. And then the big yeah. question really is, well, what are we going to do about the last 20%? All right. So yeah. with uh, Serview, the, the solution there was, well, we will build our standard transmission network and we will hit 80, 85, maybe 90% of the country. But for those people who are just completely, literally out there, we will have some kind of a satellite feed. Okay. And that was the solution for that. Uh, yeah. I think maybe if you were to look at something with broadband, I mean, do you know what? The market itself is going to look after the first 80%. As yeah. you say, Virgin Media are doing a terrific job. Sky are doing a terrific job. The problem is that last 20% of people, and what do you do with them? And maybe instead of like looking at a, a national broadband plan or looking at a plan for everybody, where you just concentrate on those last 20% and say, right, how are we going to fix that problem? And do those people even want the problem fixed? And if they do want the problem fixed, how much are those people willing to pay themselves to have the problem fixed? I mean, how much does a person pay or how did they get around uh, the fact for sewage, uh, for water, for uh, electricity and all of the other essential services when they live at the top of a mountain? Okay, the the key to that sentence that you just said there is essential services. right? And the question there to ask is, are we there with broadband? Now, the EU passed Well, then, a, I, I, I will answer that. I will answer that. Do you consider yeah. having a telephone an essential service? Absolutely. Okay. I wouldn't, funny enough. <laughs> okay. Right. I don't need a telephone to live. Okay. What about television? Oh, I definitely don't see that as an essential service. Are you joking? <laughs> uh, the EU disagrees. Really? The EU disagrees, yes. Uh, the EU now considers television to be an essential right. <laughs> they obviously haven't watched it in a while. <laughs> well, yeah, there's reasons for that, I suppose. <laughs> I didn't really... Okay, if television is is considered uh, uh, an essential, well, then I suppose you can lump in telephones and internet and stuff like that. But anyway, the key to my problem is, what I'm saying is, we really need to figure out how to fix the problem of getting internet to those areas that are difficult to reach. And good internet... Not just, you know, mm. sub sub dial up speed or anything like that, mm. you know, not not well, just I have two to check things. Your email. I have two things. And actually it was Vodafone and, and ASB who got in there, actually. Um uh, and I think they are the ones who have the key because you've got Vodafone who do who also do mobile telephony. All right. So you've got wireless internet uh, via them. And then you've got ASB who brings power lines into virtually every home in the country. Mm. Even the people who live at the top of mountains. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm thinking it's, uh, it was such such a shame when uh, Syrah pulled out and I went, oh, that's that's not good. Do you have moments in your life where you go, oh, that's not that, that was one of my moments. So, 
Yeah. Well, you uh, look at their offering and you go, that's brilliant. And I really think they mm. have pushed the market forward uh, where you are seeing places like Claire Morris and Drogheda really benefiting from uh, better networks. Uh, it's just a shame that we're not going to see that level of quality uh, stretched to that, you know, final 20% because everyone should have well, the benefit no, of a market. Don't say that we're not going to see it, all right? Because I think we have a national broadband plan. I will revise that comment. We had a national broadband <laughs> plan, all right? And it hasn't worked, so that's fine, okay? So just take it, rip it up and go, all right, that didn't work. How are we going to fix the problem, all right? And just concentrate on the problem and a solution will present itself because Men, even when and women, uh, even when they work for uh, the government and our civil servants, are really uh, innovative creatures. And when presented with a problem that must be fixed, usually a problem presents itself. One would hope. <laughs> Listen, tell me about the uh, the other big story that we've been chatting about this week, and that is, of course, uh, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook getting getting its day in front of the Oireachtas. Mm, yeah, well, I don't think there's any uh, uh, really surprises in that. Uh, but what was the beef of the conversation? Yeah, well, there there's a couple of things happening in Facebook land at the moment uh, that emerged this week. One, uh, Facebook um, have revealed the existence of an influence campaign uh, for the 2018 midterm elections. So that's less than 100 days from now. That's in America. That in America. That's in America. Yep. So over in Ireland, Facebook is is fighting the, the fire that was started with the Dispatches documentary mm. that uh, was broadcast by Channel 4 uh, well, last now, month. This was kind of a follow-up where, uh, and it was more about Facebook and kind of the uh, processes it has in place regarding content that appears on the platform. And content moderation. And content and, uh, moderation. And some of it is, is, is farmed out. Some of it is indeed farmed out. And this is an interesting structure to do it. Because if you want to be wholly accountable for your work and your workload, you do everything in-house. And you can say, look, we have strict policies. We have, you know, we train our own people. Everybody is on message. And if something goes wrong, you know, it's on us. We're really in trouble. Okay, However, I, I, do you know I don't agree with you. Sorry, I'm just I'm not having arguments okay. with you just for the sake. Of it. <laughs> here's, a, here's here's a good thing in life. All right, uh, is no, I think uh, Facebook could absolutely use outside companies to do with one because nobody can do everything. All right, yeah, but it's the agreement between the companies and how strongly they are regulated. So we saw this with uh, Cambridge uh, um, Analytica, all right? Mm -hmm. There was a really loose agreement there in place. And then when things went wrong, it was like a little phone call, ah, listen, will you make sure you delete that? So, ah, sure we will, yeah. Real, yeah. <laughs> it was almost a real nice yeah. way of doing it, all right? It just wasn't tight enough, it wasn't done properly enough, all right? Uh, mm -hmm. But here, the, the thing that I, I say about life, I was only having this conversation with my son the other day. <clears throat> I said... You can delegate authority. So you can get people to do things for you and you can be as strict as you want with that arrangement, but you can never, never delegate responsibility. Yeah, so and, I, and I think that's that's what's happened in the in the CPL case, the dispatches yes. case, where you had somebody who was filmed without their without their knowledge, but somebody from uh, CPL resources getting up and basically saying, at the end of the day, it's all about the money. And, you know, the, it, it was a classic case of the mask slipping and yeah sure you can you can do this job but bear in mind uh, it's all about the money at the end of the day if the company can get away with doing something let them 
they're paying the they're they're paying your salary mm. um you know the more money they make the more you know you might be able to make at some stage but that was just that that was just one person from CPL who was speaking of uh, maybe their own experience they're not necessarily the person who wrote the contract uh, that existed in place between CPL and Facebook yeah and this so is it could where very the well be of- their own opinion and how they're interpreting it yeah, and that's where plausible deniability enters the case and where that one step away from responsibility really comes in handy. And yeah, it, it does mirror the Cambridge Analytica experience where mm. you had a third party developer doing something with Facebook data that they really shouldn't have been. Uh, in this case, you had a third party company telling uh, staff to behave in a certain way that is definitely against Facebook policy, uh, but they will be still representing Facebook and implementing Facebook policy. So it's that element of rail politic that comes in that, you know, you you say one thing, but another happens out of necessity. Mm. You know, is it, you know, we we say that our line in the sand is here, but you know what, you know what, in real terms, we're actually a bit more flexible than that because it benefits us to do it or it benefits, you know, you down, uh, down the line more, mostly it benefits us to do it this way. So uh, I think, you know, Facebook have said they've launched their own internal inquiry. Now, at this stage, when Facebook says they've launched their own internal anything or we'll get back to you, I mean, it's it's the classic non-apology apology, really, isn't it? Well, to be fair, if any company says we're launching an internal inquiry and we'll get back to you, <laughs> we all know exactly what they're telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, we do. And, we and do. it ain't pleasant. <laughs> And you see it from so many companies in the social media space. Uh, when somebody is collared to make a, make a comment on something, it's somebody that's woefully unqualified to do mm. so, or it's somebody that's so well coached, they're just reading from a script and they're saying the same lines over and over. You know, there's no, there's, there's no direct line from the journalist to the person actually making the decisions. You know, Mark Zuckerberg isn't going to sit down with somebody from, well, actually, in fairness, in years past, he has sat down with someone like a Kara Swisher or a Walt Mossberg or, or some of these guys and given um, given their views on where he thinks the company is going uh, with varying degrees of success. But, um, I, yeah, I think we're getting to the stage where these guys will only sit down in front of governments uh, who they can play and fudge and take advantage of their lack of preparation. I can't see Facebook being put under much pressure by the Oireachtas today. I can't see Facebook paying much attention to what is said. But it is it. it is very interesting, though, the way that it is going, because uh, I'm going to say that it's my opinion that Facebook is all about the money. They are a commercial organisation and they will want to try and make money as, uh, in every way that they can, particularly now that they're a public company. Uh, and all of the all that the shareholders in Facebook are interested in is money. Because yep. they, they hold shares. That's their only connection to the company. So all they want to know is, is this share that I bought for 100 quid, is it going to be worth 120 quid next week? And what's really interesting is the metrics people put on whether Facebook is doing well or not. Because you might remember uh, last week when Facebook announced its results, oh, uh, it and ended it- up losing... Yeah, 120 billion off the market value yep. on the back of saying we're going to tackle fake news mm-hmm. and we're going to make the platform safer and we're going to invest in the platform to make it better and easier for people to use. They said all the right things from a user perspective, but the shareholders were having absolutely none of it. And another company, oddly enough, that had that exact same experience um, this week was Twitter, uh, a company that is riddled with bots, fake accounts, fake accounts. 
trolling, just the nastiest of political discourse at the moment. I know. Um, came out and said, yeah, look, we're getting rid of a million fake accounts a day at this stage. We've identified X number of Russian accounts. We've identified X number of accounts spreading information. Um, we're going to sort it out. What happened to them? They lost nearly 20% of their share price. But do you see, th- th- this is life, all right? And I am not saying whether it's right or whether it's wrong. These are commercial organizations. And when you have shareholders involved, the shareholders only care about the money. How much is my share going to be worth in six months? Am I going to get a dividend from that share? Am I making money? They don't really yeah. care about the, the, the service. Maybe a founding shareholder, somebody of a company or something like that, possibly. But when big public companies like that, they don't. And it's even worse uh, when you do, it's not shareholders, it's pension funds that start investing in companies like this. Yeah. They really yeah. don't care. All right. But yeah. to balance that on the other side, the good thing is, is that we do have governments. And we do have the European Union and we do have the FCC in the States who are kind of go, whoa, hold your horses there, my little money-making friends. <laughs> you've got millions of users all over the world and you've got to treat them right because, yep. because nobody else is able to stand up to massive companies like that. And here is where we are having the playoff between these massive companies, Facebook, Twitter, yada, yada, whatever. And then uh, the governments who are trying to put, you know, kind of some kind of sensible rules on it so that, you know, yeah. normal everyday people like you and I can have a safe experience. Um, and I suppose influence then is another thing that they are probably thinking of because, You've got these social media networks and they are able to influence people. Now, this is, this is where we go with the American election. They're talking about it within, in Brexit now as well. Is that if you have enough people on those platforms putting out their ideas about Brexit, oh, it's much better if we're out because such and such and fake news is a real problem because somebody goes online and if it looks believable and they say, if we leave the EU, you're going to have 200 more quid in your pocket every single month. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm going to vote for Brexit. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? There's no accountability like that. And I'm just thinking a conversation about influencers more than anything else, because up until now, uh, influencers, influencers in society have included newspapers, magazines. Uh, we've had uh, radio and television who come under really ridiculous, or not ridiculous, but they come under very severe restrictions when it comes to any kind of a referendum or any kind of a broadcast or any kind of a vote. Mm-hmm. Because it is known that, you know, they are available free to everybody uh, and they are able to influence opinions. So that's why there are certain rules about balance and all that kind of stuff. These platforms like Twitter and Facebook and uh, whoever else it happens to be don't come under any such rules. Yeah. So, so and then people can get in and then nefariously use those platforms then to spread. So. I'm thinking the Russians with America, if they did it or whatever the hell happened. Uh, Al-Qaeda are constantly putting their stuff out uh, online and they're just looking for, you know, to influence people around the world to hopefully take action, which, you know, happens in Paris or to happen in Nice or, or wherever around the world. You get these crazy individuals taking action over something that they've read on the uh, on the Internet. Yeah, I and just, I think what's interesting there is you're drilling down to the 
individual as an influencer right because i remember when you're listening to the radio you wouldn't just listen to you would listen for specific people on the radio to to help guide your taste right so if you're a music listener maybe you would listen to john peel and he would mm. uh, in turn influence you or you might listen to john kelly and you might go okay right he's he's interesting i like his taste it, it would probably mirror mine and it would be you know you know it, it would be very helpful and beneficial mm-hmm. but these guys have integrity they're monitored they're passionate about what they do and it shows up. Yes. We live in an age now where anyone can be an influencer, anyone can be paid to be an influencer, and they mightn't tell you that they are being paid to be an influencer, right? So we're seeing an awful lot of cases of, I, I think it happens an awful lot in sort of the beauty end of, of the blogosphere at the moment, where you have people putting their name to you know, white label things, turning them into brands, um, endorsing them or going on their Instagram or, or their Twitter or whatever saying, I'm using X, it's fantastic. Um, however, this might be a paid endorsement. So if you don't add, you know, hashtag ad at the end of it, you are confusing your personal stamp of approval with a company that has approached you and say, well, you know, would you just mention what we do? Because if you don't have that tag at the end of it, how do you know whether it's a paid endorsement uh, where somebody is using your service as an influencer or whether it's something you genuinely think yourself? Now, as somebody with a, with a hobby, you interact, well, you are, well, I guess you interact with influencers. So, you know, what do you get from it? Well, I would be, uh, I, I, I just, I think the whole thing of influencers is very interesting. I, in my sad little world, uh, I'm very interested in aviation and one of the aspects of aviation I like is business class and first class because I don't get mm. to fly them very often. But I love watching all these videos and there's so many of them now. Uh, people who've got a million or two million followers and they'll go, this week I flew uh, business class with uh, Singapore Airlines from Singapore to uh, Sydney and here's a 10 minute video of my trip. And then the next week they're off somewhere else. And then the next week somewhere off. Some of them say that they got the trip for free. Some of them say that they, they paid for these things. Uh, they're all basically doing their own review of the trip as it happens. And they do, would influence me on my choice if I wanted to, uh, do a long haul trip. And I was considering going, uh, uh, turning left, darling. Uh, they're the kind of influences who are in my life, but I don't know who they are. Yeah. Yeah, And, and as you, you say, I don't know if they have any credibility or integrity or what their background is or if they're just a name on the Internet that a lot of people like and they just say things that resonate with me. Yeah. And you don't know. Uh, well, I mean, you probably do because you follow these people and you have some sense of, of how commercially minded they are, they mm. are because these people have to make money. They've got to make a living. So I imagine some of it is their genuine opinion and some of it is, okay, I'm not going to be as judgmental in this case because I got this for free. I've been, been there before uh, with with journalism and advertising and uh, people who've paid editorial on uh, on uh, organisations that I've worked with previous to, nothing to do with mm. this show, right? Um, and okay. the, I would say possibly the way we got around things was it was more the things we didn't talk about. <laughs> mm, yeah. 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 <laughs> so like, you know, kind of uh, if you're on one of those fancy flights or whatever and the loos absolutely stink uh, because they paid your ticket and you're doing a review for them and you want to be favored, but you're not going to mention the loos stinking. Yeah, sure. Bank I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, uh, that kind of a way. So, uh, so I, th- I think it's interesting. I think uh, just I think one of the things that the key words of this year, maybe just for ourselves or whatever has come of this conversation is just influencers. 
Who are these people who are giving out opinions that people are listening to? And what is that background? And it's kind of, it's not anything new, Niall, because I can hear my mother now going, believe half of what you hear and none of what you see, or none of what you mm-hmm. hear and half of what you see, whatever it is. Just a healthy skepticism of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, though, an awful lot of people that come under this way of influencers are very young that they haven't developed their critical faculties yet. They don't yep. have enough life experience to know whether... And that's the know. kind of stuff we should be teaching in schools. <laughs> Literally, yeah. when they're eight or seven years old, say, hey, look at this webpage. Isn't it fantastic? How do we know that's true? <laughs> yep. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. All right, listen, uh, we are out of time for uh, uh, this week. A very, very, very interesting conversation. Thank you so much, Niall. Um, let me just wrap up by saying that the uh, the program is supported by advertising money from PRTG Network Monitor from uh, Paisler.com. Uh, we do think it's a good product, but uh, you're the one who makes the final decision. Uh, what they do is they monitor your IT infrastructure 24-7 and lets you know about problems before your users notice so you can get something done before anybody is uh, aware of what's going on. It's at paisler.com. You can check that out on. Of course, you can also get the uh, lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from our website at techcentral.ie or do tune in to us every week online or Fridays at 5 on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Next time from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, our editor at techcentral.ie. Thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech Central